Okay, this morning, I, I had I had asked Jadiel some to share about what was on his heart, and he only he only he only just but but being available, and just by saying a few words, it was like God, poof, popped, and brought out all this other this whole thought so quickly to me. Just, uh, but we talked about. And the three, the, the areas of the parable of the seeds there. And so that's Matthew, the 13th chapter. That's Mark, the fourth chapter. And that's Luke, the eighth chapter. And in those parables, each one, it's, it's brought out, each one, what, what they are. So in Matthew, in Matthew, the enemy who does the scattering, he takes the seeds and he scatters them, right? His name was... The wicked, the wicked, and we said yesterday that the wicked, and we and God gave us the correlation of the scriptures. For instance, He gave Isaiah fifty-seven nineteen to twenty-one. There's peace. God speaks peace, you know, and He speaks peace to us, all those that are His, because in Ephesians two and verse fourteen, uh, Christ is our peace, and that peace. That, that he won for us and that he promised even those disciples in John 14, 27. He said it was a peace that the world could never give. And, you know, never. The world system under Satan would never give this peace. It could only come as a result of Christ. And it would be that peace that he is, as we said in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. But that that peace, that peace there would be one because it's called, it was the, the peace that we have through the blood of his cross, and that's Colossians 1 and verse 20. So we see even there, uh, the Father being propitiated. Now, we can, in Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through us, we can go out and preach peace. We preach peace. You see that way back in Isaiah 52 and verse 7. You know, blessed are the feet of those on the mountains that speak peace. And we speak peace. And we, in the midst of spiritual warfare, in Ephesians 6 and verse 15, we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And again, that's not that we go out and preach peace, although we do. But it's that we have peace. Every place we walk, we have the peace of God. And, and so as a result of that, then we can proclaim peace to others. But... In Isaiah 57 and verse 19, uh, where it says, that they, peace, God speaks peace, peace to him that is near, that's us. And, and through us now, to them that are far off. And of course, how we live our life and how people see it is, is what speaks, how we conduct ourselves and the character of who we are in 1 John 1, 7, that speaks volumes to people. And then by what we say is backed up by who we are in our character. But in Isaiah 57 and verse 20 and 21, it brings out that those that don't have peace. Now we have peace positionally and something the world does not have because they don't have Christ in terms of their salvation. But it's the same with us when we don't have, when we don't experience him through submission of our will, we don't have peace. 
And what it does, the enemy then does for a believer, he can't touch opposition in 1 John 5, 18, the B part of that verse, the wicked one touches us not, so he goes after the experience. And when we, when we are in the flesh, he, that's all the muddy waters that he, store, that he, stares, he, he, stares, he stares it up. He mixes it and gets it all mi- mixed up. And that's what Matthew, in Matthew, where, he, where Satan is called the wicked. And the wicked there simply mean those that are unbelievers. Those that don't believe God. Now, we believe him, us in Christ, we believe him in terms of our salvation. But do we believe that salvation has taken care of every single thing now in this life that we face? Because if we don't, then what? We can function in the flesh like an unbeliever. I just don't trust God. But like the world and the enemy causes the world to go by what they see, by what they see. So that is how, how he scatters in that sense in Matthew the 13th, called the wicked. And then it says Satan in, in Mark, in Mark the fourth chapter. He's called Satan. And Satan, his name means adversary and opponent. So we see where that started. Where did Lucifer, who was Lucifer before he became Satan, before he became an opponent and adversary, who was he that, where did that begin? And that's in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15. That's where that took place. Ezekiel 28, 15, he was complete, perfect, complete in all his ways till iniquity was found in him. Then he became Satan. So God never created Satan, the source of all evil, Never did. He created Lucifer with a free will who fell. And so now he became God's opponent and adversary. He became the opponent and adversary in terms of how he could see God in some manifestation. So even the unfallen angels, because it says in John 1 and verse 18 that that. No created being has ever seen God in all his fullness. That means even the unfallen angels, they've never seen him in all his fullness simply because in Isaiah 57 and verse 15, God inhabits eternity. (laughs) So we see very clearly based upon these scriptures, no created being has ever seen God in all his fullness. But in whatever manifestation, in that manifestation of Christ in some form, some form, some, some visible form, we can even see in Isaiah the 6th chapter and verses 1 and 2. He saw, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. That was a manifestation of the pre-incarnate Christ. It brings it out crystal clear there. Now, even these angels, even Satan, because it's brought out very clearly that the pre-incarnate Christ was the teacher of all these unfallen angels, and he led the worship of the of the angels, and and as he led Christ, as the pre-incarnate Christ led uh, Lucifer, he became the leader in, in of choir of music and worship to God. There's a lot involved in in this uh, particular council that God's giving us, but. They, he, he became, when he fell, he became 
the adversary and opponent of Christ, his creator. Do you see why he comes after the believer that, are, that is in Christ now? To become the opponent and adversary. Also, that word is, is, a, trans, is a translation, or I should say a transliteration, bringing it from the, the Hebrew and the Aramaic, but specifically the Hebrew in this case, bringing it over into the Greek so that we can understand his name there as Satan in Mark, the fourth chapter, and, and what we see there very, very clearly is that because you and I now are in Christ, he became, he's now our opponent and adversary because Christ is in us and we're in him. And, and, and so what we see there very, very, very clearly, and we can see it clearly as God, the Holy Spirit, takes this word Takes the, takes the preponderance of all that word and brings it uh, to us in terms of counsel and teaching. But also, when you, when you take that word over satanas, satanas, which is the, which is the Hebrew, satanas, and the Septuagint, it brings it over, translates the Hebrew over into the Greek. And that's where we get his name, opponent adversary of God because who did God create in his image? Was it an angel? No. In Genesis 1 and 26 and 27 it says God created man in his own image. Well of course he did because long before there were any angels, before there was any humanity, before there was ever a fall there was a lamb. In Revelations 13 and verse 8, there was a lamb in the eternal mind of God, not beginning to think a plan. This is the eternal mind of God. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth in, he, in, in Revelations 13, 8. And the work in Hebrews 4, 3 was finished. Now, when it says that in Hebrews 4 and verse uh, 3, and when it says that again, in Revelations 13 and verse 8, what God is doing is he's taking us back to Genesis, way before, way before the earth was even created, because remember, the lamb was slain before that. So we see the eternal plan of God, and some and somehow, somehow, I, I just believe that God, through Christ, the, the visible, as much as he could be, because no one has ever seen, no created being has ever seen God in all his fullness. And you can't separate Father from Son and Son from the Holy Spirit. And to see one, you can't see that there's still the fullness brought out. And so we have this fullness of Christ. And that's why the enemy comes in now in these three places and scatters. And how does, we saw how he scatters in Matthew, the 13th chapter, he's wicked. He causes those to not believe God, to be unbelievers. Okay. And then, and, and then what does he do? The seeds, the seed thoughts that he scatters, these imaginations, these imaginations in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, if they're not cast out, they become strongholds where the enemy rules and reigns, and that's 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. But here, 
he causes them, when we don't believe in Matthew 13, the wicked, when we don't through him, we don't believe God through the wicked one. And that's 1 John 5.18. The wicked one touches us not. Now in the case of Job, he, he could touch his physical body. One thing he could not touch and change was Job's dependence upon, upon his Savior Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. He could touch him and do all kinds of things. He could not touch that because Christ was the means of his very righteousness. Something that would never change in Malachi 3, 6, God, I am the Lord your God, I change not. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 14, whatsoever God does, he does forever. And it doesn't change. In James 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift, complete, comes down from the Father of lights. Now, when you see the Father of lights, you're going way back to Genesis, again, in the first chapter, the creation of the sun, the moon, the stars. He's the Father of lights, and with whom there's no variableness, doesn't change, not even an iota. And it doesn't change one single bit, or shadow of turning, because... You know, that gift, that every good gift that came down was the result, obviously, for us in our understanding. Can any, in John 3, 27, receive anything except it come from heaven? And Christ came from heaven as the full increase of each individual. But for us to realize this and to get away from the wicked, unbelieving thoughts from the enemy, where do all lies come from? In John 8, verse 44, Satan's father of all lies, when we live in lies, all we're going to do is live in lusts. It's brought out in John 8 and verse 44. We see it very, very clearly there. And so as a result of all of this, then he, be, he is Satan. Then through us not believing in God, he causes us to oppose God and be an adversary. And Mark, the fourth chapter. Now that word Satan again translated from the Hebrew over into the Greek, Satan, is he is an adversary and opponent, but also the word is brought out. He's very treacherous. Very treacherous. And oh, how, boy, oh, how he can't change the position of the believer, but boy, does he want to change their thought, life, and experience towards God because he's very treacherous, very, very treacherous, and very, very evil. And then we see also when we get into Luke, and what, what do we see his name there? His name is the devil. He's the devil. The evil one, the devil. Devil. From the Greek words dia, D-I-A, which, which means through. Boy, and I wish we would get believers would understand also. We'll just take a little sidelight here for a moment. We don't go through the tribulation period in Revelations 3 and verse 10 because the word there is ek. Ek means out. Dia means through. So you see how he even poisons the minds of believers to think that Christ didn't do enough so that they have to go through the tribulation to be purified. Nonsense. Doesn't make any sense in the original languages. That's why we need the original languages, precise teaching, and not just translations. And I'm thankful for translations, but we need more than that. And I'm thankful for devotionals that lift up Christ, but we still need far more than that. We do. And so his name is Diabolus. 
Dia is through, and bolas is to pierce, to pierce through. And that's what he does. And that's what he, that's what he is in Luke, the eighth chapter. And all of these three things, all of these three things we see to affect man made in God's image, spirit, soul, and body, to counterfeit and go against God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three, but yet one in essence, counterfeit. Who is he? The wicked. Who is he? Satan. Who is he? The devil. And through how he operates this way to come against the very image of who we are in Christ. Through the thought life, through scattering. The things that become strongholds. You know, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, a stronghold, we need to cast down imaginations. And And reasonings, thoughts, scattering, confusion. God is not the author of confusion. Satan's order, if you want to call it, which is disorder. But of life and peace, of course, Christ is our life in Colossians 3 and verse 4. 1 John 5, 11, he's our life. Eternity. There's no change in eternity, by the way. And he's our peace in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. Life and peace. So everything in this is a scattering that comes against us because of the very image. To destroy the image. Can't do it positionally. Can't change the position. But destroy the image in the individual through a lying experience through through him as he operates with his fallen angels in Revelations 12 and verse 4, the dragon's tail drew a third of the stars of heaven. The stars there in Job 38 and verse 7 are the angels, ruling angels and angels. They were called the sons of God. The sons of God were angels in the Old Covenant, New Old Testament. New Testament, we are the sons of God in Christ. And he's changed the whole order in Hebrews 2 and through 9 through 18. He did not take on the form of angels, he took on the form of men. And in doing so, reversed the whole creative order. This has to do with our image, and it is so incredible, of what we have in Christ. And everything that's being said this morning as God the Holy Spirit just led me in his precise counsel to me in Genesis, the first chapter, every seed truth that is being brought out, which all the, all the Old Testament saints didn't know it fully yet because that seed hadn't grown fully yet. That's us, the church. We fill out the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You'll see that in Ephesians, the epistle to Ephesians. It's incredible what we have and who we are in Christ. And oh, how little we know it and oh, how deeply we need to because we have the counterfeit one, the wicked, the wicked one, the wicked. And we have Satan. And then there is the the devil. So we can see how all this, but all of that seed thought is brought out. All of these seed thoughts are brought out in those first three chapters of Genesis. Then it goes right into the worldly order. In Genesis, the fourth chapter, Cain went out from the presence of God and he built the city. Now, can we function in the flesh and go out 
when we go out from the presence of God, what are we, what are we occupied with? Building a city. Everything about us is here. Far more for us. We're heavenly people. We're on our way. And by the way, he changed the creative order. We said in Hebrews 2, 9 to 18, when I say we, we're, we're all being taught by God, the Holy Spirit together, all of us. All of us need that. We need his counsel. He's the counselor, the Holy Spirit, who, who has, has been given to us. We have that unction in 1 John 2.20. We have him who teaches us all these things, not just any man in 1 John 2 and verse 27. But now that we have received Christ and this beautiful image, the Holy Spirit is that seal in, in Ephesians 1 and verse 13 and 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 22. He is the seal in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 5. He's the seal, the proof of ownership that we are Christ's. And we have a father in John 20 and verse 17. These are the preponderance of all these scriptures that God has in, our, in, in, in the complete mind of his counsel as we grow in them together. To see what we have is so much. So when it says in Psalm 56 verse 9, and when it says in Romans 8 and verse 31, God for us, who can be against us? Well, we know who the who is. Satan, Satan, really, in one sense, for the believer in Christ, he cannot be against us because God is for us. But with his lies, he can, he can enter in to our experience, not our position, never, ever. John 10, 28 and 29. John 6, 37 and 39. You know, we, when we come to the Father through Christ, we, he will in no wise cast us out because the Father is greater than all and his greatness was manifested through Christ and what he accomplished for each of us as individuals. No question about that. And so none can tear us out in John 10, 28 and 29. None can pluck. None can tear us out of his hand. That's what makes it so very necessary in First John, in First Peter 5 and verse 6 to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time so that we cast all our cares upon him because, because our only other option is to be swallowed up by Satan who is what? Our adversary in First Peter 5 and verse 8. Walking about, remember he walked about in Job the first chapter. God, when the angels appeared in the presence of God in Job, and, and then Satan came with him, and the Lord asked him a question, where have you been? And he said, walking up and down to and fro the earth. And what is he doing? What does the lion do? First Peter 5, 8, what does he do? He walks about seeking prey to rip to shreds through a thought life, through scattering, through lies, through the wicked one, through Satan and the devil, the complete evil of who he is, with his vast army that, that comes against us. But the vastness of that army is what compared to Christ, to God and the Holy Spirit. And so all of these, all of this teaching in, in its, its beauty, by the time even we get to the epistles of Christ that were given to us through Paul, so they are the Christ epistles through the apostle Paul as a messenger, and the same messenger that was given to the apostle Paul is the same message that's given to us. We see Paul even speaking about himself through the power of the Holy Spirit and making himself equal with all of us and who we are in Christ. He wasn't special. 
everything that he that, that was given to him through the resurrected risen heavenly Christ has been given to us all of these all of this truth is brought out in seed form in those first three chapters uh, of Genesis and then it enters into Satan's world system the world system there so we see even as we'll close this this morning but even when we see in Genesis the first chapter it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth I still believe that this is eternity I don't believe it's time yet then it says in the earth was without form and void. Really, the Hebrew says, was in complete chaotic order and confusion and empty. There's something that happened, I believe, between those two. And having studied this by the pure grace of God Almighty himself, as the Holy Spirit teaching me these things over decades, these particular verses that in Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, there was the revolt of Satan, which is brought out in Isaiah 14, you can start like around verse 7 and go right to the end there, but specifically 17 and 18 of uh, Isaiah, the 14th chapter, and also Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, and the 15th verse down through the chapter. There was that in, there was the fall of Satan, and when his tail in Revelation 12 and verse 3 drew a third of the stars of an innumerable amount of angels to go after, to go and be an opponent an adversary of God to these other angels. He went about slandering, sl- saying lies, slander saying lies about, about God that were not even, had nothing to do with the truth of who he was in his very nature, character, and essence. And that's what happened in between that. Then the Holy Spirit came, and, he, and we see the Holy Spirit moving upon the face of the waters because the light, God had withdrawn his presence from there. And we see in Jeremiah 4 and verse 23, it brings out how the earth was in a solid ice pack. No light, no sun. Removal, just completely dark. The Holy Spirit came and brooded like a, a hen on its eggs and began to melt the earth. And God began to prepare it. And time began, began to be in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. And preparing the earth and for man the answer of that would be, would it be the man Adam, the first man? No, it wouldn't be the first one in 1 Corinthians 15. You can see in verse, in, in the preponderance of these truths, in uh, 15, uh, 42, 43, 44, 45, all the way down to 49, he, God's plan was not through the first man, but the second man. But he formed Adam, created him in his image. And that's who God created himself to be in. See, all of these truths are brought out in seed form. Seed form. That's why we need all the preponderance. The whole scriptures. And that's why it says in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. All of it. You see, everything that God... You even see in Genesis, the first chapter, uh, verses 1 you know, all the way down through, well, really from 3 to 31 in Genesis, in the end of that chapter, it says, God said, meaning he spoke out. And everything he spoke out, what he said, was good. That's why God is good. No man is good apart from Christ. So, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture 
is God-breathed and is profitable. All of it to understand it. And this is where we need to be careful about what we're taught. We may not know certain titles about how people teach, but if we understand those titles, then, of course, we can understand these things. Again, like the, the, the hyper-dispensationalist will only take the epistles of Paul and that's it. That's all he ever gave the church and that's it. You don't go anywhere else. Didn't, God didn't speak to anyone else, do anything else, but just that. Well, you can't, I can't tell you how many of those that are precious in God's sight, those that are his in Christ, that get into that kind of stuff. Why? Well, the wicked, Satan, and the devil are their opponents to keep them locked in now. And all that has to do was, was who is Satan? And we'll close with this. Who did Satan? He, he and Satan, Lucifer, light bearer, by the way, reflecting, receiving and reflecting this light, Lucifer, burning. That's why the seraphims, they're called, and teraphims, they're called the burners. They're reflecting the very light of their creator, the purity. And of course, Satan lost that the moment that iniquity was found in him in Ezekiel 28, verse 15. All these truths are brought out in this most incredible way that through the scriptures, through the teaching of the word, and through his precious counsel that he has for us. And uh, these are eternal realities. And so we can see very, very, very clearly how that everything about the wicked, Satan, and the devil, of full, fully of who he is, the fullness of who he is, is all opposed and an adversary of God's glory revealed through Jesus Christ, his creator. And how he hates us because we get something we didn't deserve. He lost something and in, where there was nothing outwardly to tempt him. So in Ephesians 2, 8, we, you and I are saved by grace through faith, even that not of ourselves, but it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Satan boasts. No man boasts, can has anything really to boast in. In Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 31, God has eliminated all boasting through Christ. And so he is the adversary an opponent of God's glory and against it being, being, being revealed in us experientially based upon our position. So Ephesians 2.8, you and I are saved by grace. Our whole Christian life is grace. Our salvation and then our whole Christian life in Philippians 2.12 and 13. But in Ephesians 2.8, we're saved by grace through faith. And even that not of ourselves, but is the gift of God and not of works lest any man should boast or glory in himself because in 1 Corinthians 3.21, we don't glory in men. We have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit brought out in, that, in those verses in 1 Corinthians 3.20, 21 and 22. We see it very, very clearly. So as, we, as God begins to end this particular time this morning, we can see very, very clearly that we are saved by grace. We're kept by it in 1 Peter 1, verse 5. And Christ is, 
is, is that power. We're kept by the power of God in 1 Peter 1, 5. And that power is Christ himself in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. Christ, the power of God and the very wisdom of God. And so that, of course, flowing through who God is, love. But we are kept by the power of God. So we are saved by grace in Ephesians 2, 8. Through faith. In verse 9, even that not of ourselves, but is a gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has already foreordained for each one of us that we should walk in. That's why he counts all our steps, Job 31 and verse 4. The steps of a good man are all ordained, good in Christ, by the way. If there's any good, it's, it's Christ. They're ordained of the Lord in Psalm 37 and verse 23, and that has to do with our plan, the plan that we are in right now. And the enemy wants to cause us to resist God through kicking against his plan. When it was settled in heaven in the eternal mind of God through his love and brought out through wisdom, of course, and that wisdom is Christ for each of us. So, Father, we thank you this morning for, for your word and your counsel to us this morning and all the preponderance of your eternal mind through the Scriptures. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.